All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Uh, my name is Ms. Orley. I live on Van Avenue in Dayton. I'm here to um, register my concern regarding the airborne surveillance that was discussed earlier. A great eye, lidless, breathed in flames. Do military contractors watch over the globe? Um, I'd also like to register my concern with the so-called surveillance program. This was the stuff of science fiction when Orwell wrote 1984. What policies does Dayton have in place to prevent using the data in a racially biased way. It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and you are? Andy Mills. Yes, you are. That's me. So, note to self-listeners, Andy is a beloved colleague of mine here at WNYC, and he's Uh actually a producer on Radiolab. Maybe you know that show. Andy and I had the pleasure of making a Radiolab episode together last Mm -hmm. spring that we never actually aired here on Note to Self. So, we're going to do that today. Has it been one year? (laughs) Almost. Wow. I know. Crazy. And- if you remember correctly, it was like last May, I think, that you and I went on a little trip. To Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Why did we go to Dayton, Ohio? We went to Dayton, Ohio uh, because it's a very beautiful city in the heart of the <laughs> that Midwest. That's not why we went, but um, yes. <laughs> we went because there's someone there who's like uh, a crime fighter, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Like, it's like uh, all those sci-fi movies about what in the future, like what crazy, amazing idea we would come up with to fight crime. It turns out that, like, not the future, but, like, right now, there's a guy who's got one of these, like, superpower sci-fi – what would you even call it? Well, I mean, just to break it down, it's basically putting cameras on the bottom of planes and flying them over cities and then going back and forth in time. So – Yeah, I mean – It's kind of a superpower. And like all superpowers, Andy, it can be used for, for good. good. Or, or for evil. I'm thinking more for good. <laughs> yeah. But it's complicated. It and is a so at the end of our reporting last spring, Andy, we kinda we kinda got left hanging. A we were bit. yeah, we had a bit of a cliffhanger, but do not fret. Yeah. I have brought you an update. Yesterday I talked to Mr. Ross McNutt, who everyone's gonna meet here in a little bit. He was the kind of star of our show, and 
he kind of filled me in on what's happened in the past okay. year. And, and you haven't told me yet. So everybody, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play the Radio Lab episode, and then we're going to get mm-hmm. our update from Andy. Um, by the way, this episode also features the lovely Alex Goldmark, former Note to Self producer who is now over at Planet Money. So if you've been missing Alex, uh, he's back for a little bit. Hey, Alex. But now I have the honor of turning Note to Self over to Radio Lab's host and creator, Jad Abumrad. Andy and I will see you back here at the end of the episode. Stick around. So how did you guys uh, find out about this? How did you get into it? I think it was somebody was reading about it. Was it, reading, or it was you reading about it. Right. And I just said, his name is McNutt. And I, <laughs> I just wanted to do a show Sign where I get to say that name <laughs> at least 10 times, please. But then like, we actually read it and it was weird and interesting and brought up lots of issues. Technology is remaking what is possible for individuals and for institutions and for the international order. I'm Jad Abumrad. I'm Robert Krulwich. So here we are at this moment in time where we ha- we're faced with these decisions. About what we want our future to, to look like, be like. There are fewer and fewer technical constraints on what we can do. That places a special obligation on us to ask tough questions about what we should do. Today we're going to look at the can and the should with our friends down the hall, Manoush Samarodi and Alex Goldmark. They're on a great podcast called Note to Self. They will be our guides into the world of McNutt. Yes, my name's Ross McNutt. So the McNutt, as I refer to him, <laughs> he's an ex-military guy. Did 20 years in the Air Force. I enjoyed it. I did a lot of good. Like combat military? He was an engineer in the military. Yeah, I mean, I think he's actually special military. My background, I've got a PhD in rapid product development out of MIT. And what I do is I teach young people how to build new systems. And the new system, that's the system that we want to talk about, that kind of began in 2004. Ross was teaching a course at a military college. It was at the Air Force Institute of Technology here at Wright-Patterson in Dayton. He says one day in 2004, the whole school gathered together for a rally. And our commander got up in front of the whole school and said, we need to do something to help the war effort. Terrible violence today in the Iraqi city of Basra. So at that time in the Iraq war, before the surge, things were not going well. Suicide bombs ripped through police buildings and city streets. IEDs going off all over the place. Constant news about IEDs going off everywhere, soldiers being blown up. In one week, I got blown up three times. And to be honest with you, in 2004, it looked like we were going to lose. So Ross, he gets together some of his students, some of his colleagues, and they decide, you know, let's sit down and see if we can find a solution, quickly find a solution to figuring out who is planting all these roadside bombs. Yeah. Bombs going off are pretty easy to detect in images. The problem is how do you go from a bomb going off backwards in time to be able to figure out who planted it? So somehow, uh, you know, it just came out. And was, it, it like, was it like you guys sitting around? It was at a bar. We were working on the back of a napkin and we're drawing out different ideas and throwing them around and seeing what happens. They were just like, hey, let's use planes. Let's try this. Let's try that. And then they hit on it. This one stuck and we sort of drew this out on the back of an envelope. Making it took a little while. I had 38 students working for me for two years. But eventually they developed what became known as Project Angel Fire. And here's how it worked. They take a small plane, and on the belly of the plane, they hook up this array of cameras. 
sort of swivel around. It's a camera system we design and build. Super high end. And then the pilot takes off, flies the plane high over Fallujah. In the military, we were up at about fifteen to 16,000 feet to stay out of the missile range. Let's say I'm an Iraqi on the ground in Fallujah and I look up, what would I see? Uh, you wouldn't see us. You wouldn't hear us or you wouldn't see us. So you've got this plane flying just below the clouds, doing an orbit over Fallujah. Circle, circle, circle. For six hours at a time. And every second... Click, 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 click. Every second, it takes a still image of the entire city of Fallujah, 25 square miles, and then beams it down to an operator. We take a picture, process it, downlink it, process it, downlink it, every single second. So the plane is snapping, picture after picture after picture. But here's what makes the system so powerful. The operator on the ground has, let's say, an entire day's worth of these high-res pictures of the entire city of Fallujah. And then let's say there's an explosion. Officials say at least 20 people were killed in explosions at a market. And wounds 11 others. First, the operator would pull up the most current image of the city. Zoom into the place within Fallujah where it happened. And then click, click, click in one second increments, go back in time and see who was there, what happened. When was the last time somebody fiddled around in that roadside? Yeah. And you're like, okay, I've gone back two hours and ah, it's that car. Fast forward, click, click, click. They can now follow that car forward in time to see where it goes. And you see that it went to a house in another neighborhood two miles away. Well, that's where you dispatch your troops to right then. Basically, we'd be able to send either the special forces in or the Marines in and sort of take appropriate action. Now, look, the military doesn't release statistics on how well some of its military technology works, but there are officers who will be quoted saying that, yes, Project Angel Fire saved lives. But the reason why we decided to do this story is because it's not just a military thing, right? Like with a lot of these technologies, they maybe start in the military, but then they trickle down all the way down to all of us. And actually, in this case, trickled down to Dayton, Ohio. Ross Group Incorporated, you think that's it? I think that's it. By his first name? Yeah, it'd be weird. <laughs> oh, you gotta go with the nut. Producer Andy Mills and I actually went to Dayton, Ohio to visit Ross at his business. Persistent oh. Surveillance Systems. There it is. Persistent Surveillance Systems. Right. That feels Orwellian. Yep. These are the lenses, and the motors here basically control it. So first we went over to his workshop where he actually works and makes the cameras. These are more powerful than some of the best military systems. Like we could see him actually making them and how they get attached to the bottoms of the airplane. Oh, so many airplanes. Then we went over to the hangar where he has all the airplanes. They're beautiful. So overall we've got 27 airplanes we operate. He owns his own airport. Yeah. Yeah. After you guys. Oh my God, it's big. And then he showed us their command center. And this is where you have a bunch of people sitting in front of these enormous screens. This is like your viewing room? Yeah. And this is where all the plane pictures end up. Because Ross's basic idea in taking this technology from Fallujah to a city like Dayton, Ohio, is basically this. The U.S. cities has just as large a problem 
as we do in Afghanistan and Iraq, only it's not IEDs, it's crime. We've had a lot of major events this year. We've had four officer-involved shootings so far this year. Our homicides are up this year. So this is Dayton Police Chief Richard Beal. B-I-E-H-L. I talked to him last summer. A couple years ago, Ross called him up and was like, look. A city like Dayton, Ohio, we've got 28,000 crimes a year. About 10,000 part one crimes. Murder, rape, assault. 10,000 part one crimes comes out to be $480 million a year. But McNutt is like for the about the price of a police helicopter. We believe that we would be able to decrease crime by 30 to 40 percent. 30 percent decrease in that is $155 million a year. The Dayton police were like, All righty. Give it a shot. We basically set up a test in June of 2012 for a five-day flight. Air prop. Here we go. Just see for ourselves what it was capable of doing. They sent the plane up in the air. It started doing its thing, just like in Fallujah. And within just a few hours... Uh, there was a call of this uh, breaking entering in progress with a description of a van. Um, it was an older white box truck, just a regular random moving truck. This is Angie Horn. She's the one who called 911. She was just home on her lunch break, and she sees a moving van pull up in front of her neighbor's house. A guy gets out, breaks in, starts moving furniture out. So we, you know, we immediately called the police. Um, they got there relatively quickly, from what I remember, that he had already taken off. Now, normally in a case like this, the police would be like, well, how do we follow him? We don't know where he went. But in this case, the police contact persistent surveillance systems, and ultimately they get connected to this guy. My name is Alex Blassingame. I'm the senior analyst for the company. Alex pulls up the image of Dean, zooms in, clicks backwards about five minutes until he sees this little grainy white dot appear in front of her neighbor's house. This is the vehicle here that we're wanting to track. I'm sorry, what vehicle? I don't. I barely see anything. Right, so the image looks real blurry, but the human brain and the human eyes are very, very evolved to pick out movement. you got to understand that from two miles up, a car looks just like a random shape. People, they look like pixels. Alex has trained himself to pick out movement. I'm going to put a tag down on where he's at. He places an orange circle over that random little shape, and then click, 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 he moves forward, forward, forward. To follow him to his real-time location. Alex follows it up some roads, finds out that it is parked in a parking lot. Six blocks away. He calls up the people in the field, goes, go over there. They get there. They see the guy. They see a truck full of stuff. They send a, one, a different cop over to pick up the witness. Witness goes, yep, that's the guy. Oh, so at this the point, lady who called. Yeah, this is minutes later. No kidding. That could have been a murderer, right? That could have been an armed robber. It could have been a lot of things. This is so weird. This is like wow. having a superpower. It is. This is actually better than Batman. You can't go back forth in time if you're a superhero. I, I just feel sad. It's like we're all just these little dots. It just seems like the antithesis of what a lot of police departments seem to be trying to do in the aftermath of Ferguson and Staten Island and other um, horrific things that have happened, which is getting the police on the streets, making personal connections, creating relationships. There's nothing in this system that prevents you from having effective community policing at the same time. And oh, by the way, this may dramatically help that community relations. The reason they're putting body cams on police officers is to try to get the police officers to be more respectful because they can be seen. 
Well, this lets us watch all the officers in a 25-square-mile area all at once. But then you can watch so many other people all at once. Here's other things that people in Dayton do. Like Romeo and Juliet, they sometimes meet without their parents' permission in the playground and smooch. There are going to be divorce lawyers who are going to be tracking Aaron's spouses. There are going to be traffic police who are watching who goes through the red light. There are going to be realtors who are wondering who are, how many tenants do you really have in that building? Right. And I guess the thought might be that if the information exists that will show what my pixel was actually doing, then, then I'm a little less free. There is a, a clear trade-off between security and privacy. And, you know, in our major cities where we have, you know, tens of thousands of major crimes, you are a lot less free when you can't leave your house at night. There's obviously a, an, a huge advantage to knowing what you know, but then there's a huge thing to knowing what you know. I mean, knowledge all by itself is sort of a – is pregnant with, with funny – you know, here's my problem with with the with this with the, all of these privacy stories. It's like when you're talking about these technologies, the advantages are always so concrete, and the trade-offs always feel so abstract. I I feel like there is there's there's something being lost here, but I can never quite put my finger on it. It's weird. Oh, Jad, that weirdness that you're feeling. Yes. It's gonna get a lot weirder. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Jad Abumrad. I'm Robert Krulwich. This is Radio Lab, and uh, we'll continue our collaboration with uh, Manoush Samarodi and Alex Goldmark from Note to Self. And our subject is, and remains, Eyes in the Sky. And the situation when we left it is that Manoush and one of our producers, Andy Mills, had gone down to Dayton, Ohio, to talk with Ross McNutt, check out his technology. And uh, after the Dayton demo, what were you, how were you feeling about things? Well, I was feeling like, uh, you have not convinced me. I, do, I am not going for this. And then I saw Juarez, Mexico. And that, well, I mean, that's what made me start to think otherwise. Juarez, uh, especially at the time we did this, they averaged 300 murders a month and 52 kidnappings a week. 300 murders a month. Yeah. McNutt and the gang, they got a contract. We've been asked not to say for whom. And they went down south, set themselves up in a hotel room, got the plane up in the sky, and then whoever the client was started bringing them crime reports. So this is kind of what you never want to see happen, but uh, this is kind of why the system was up. Alex pulls up on the screen this very Uh, grainy aerial shot of Juarez. This is Juarez, Mexico. It looks like any city, right? You've got, like, grids of streets and cars and houses. And then, like, over on the left of the screen, he points to this dark little square. It's a vehicle that's going down the street. This is a female police officer. Uh, She was actually headed to work uh, on this morning. Um, So we'll kind of go through it here. He starts at the beginning, and you see there's her house, and her car is parked outside. You see that, like teeny little pixel gets in her car. She pulls out of her driveway. That was her home. Starts to drive to work. Um, And then... Right when she leaves, uh, if you look up here... He points to the upper left of the screen. um, Several cars were parked up on the corner. As soon as she left her driveway, those cars become active. 
So this is a stakeout. For, yeah, they were waiting for her to leave. He's so zoomed in that you can see it's like a tic-tac moving down the street. And then two more tic-tacs come alongside. Until they get right about here. He's clicking forward on the photo and you see... right there is a speed bump. These cars just inch closer. So she'll kind of hesitate there, which is unfortunate. Um, So she's driving down the street and there's these cars following behind her. And then there's this car up ahead of her. A vehicle that had been parked here for... 15, 20, 30 minutes, all of a sudden backs out into traffic and seemingly slows them down, almost gets in an accident right here, um, which gives these guys enough time uh, to catch up. This is where they're going to pull up beside her. And then suddenly, um, Alex says, "Right there. this is the point. Where Here the first car pulls up and shoots her multiple times. She was shot in the head. Multiple times in the head, right here. Uh, she's actually going to roll through the intersection. Her car continues to go even though she's been shot in the head. There is a parked car behind this tree, and you'll actually see this parked car move when she runs into it. And then these guys take off. It was not fun to watch. It was upsetting. But what happens next made me really start to understand what this technology is capable of. I wanted to real quickly just show you some of the other Ross walks in. He takes that moment, horrible moment, and then he starts to, like, shoot back and forth in time. So suspect car one, here's his path before the murder, here's his path after the murder. He actually takes the two cars from that murder, and you see, he draws on the map, you see that they meet up with two other cars. See that guy there? That were involved in a different murder. Now, one murder becomes two. Two cars become four. Car stops. And if you follow all four of these cars, drawing lines as they move through the city, you find out who they meet up with. And four becomes eight, eight becomes 16, so on and so on. And you have all these lines crisscrossing the city. And then you see that a whole bunch of those cars are headed to one place. This house, this house appears to be their cartel headquarters. And that's when you start to think, well, that's how you have to take something like this down. It's not a one-shot thing like solving the crime. It's about cracking an entire system. In fact, um, this is Andy here. When I was doing some research uh, into this, I made a bunch of calls, and I spoke with this one governmental source who told me that this information that Rasa just showed us, like it was one of the primary tools used to dismantle an entire cartel in Juarez, and that apparently the leader of that cartel was responsible for something like 1,500 murders. Whoa. So I got to ask again, so how are you feeling at this point? Are you happy or scared or I don't know? I felt ashamed of myself because I thought, oh, the reason why I'm so excited about it is it's because it's in a country where I don't live and I'm an outsider, and I think of it as being messed up. Mm. So it's okay for them, but it's still not okay for us. Mm. What did you think, Andy? I mean, like this is where I stopped being a good journalist because I, I picked a side. It feels wrong to not solve these crimes that we can solve. 
And what if this plane is on top of New York? Good. God, really? For me, it became... But do you remember like after 9-11 when you'd walk down the street and you'd hear the F-16 circling over the city? And I just remember the feeling in my stomach was like nausea. Like I felt sick. It felt gross. It felt like we had no autonomy over ourselves. And at that point, I was scared enough that I could live with it. But right now, I don't feel that way. And look, it's a very privileged position to be able to say that we shouldn't have it. I get that. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like I became a convert because like somebody got kidnapped today. And if we had an eye in the sky, we might be able to get the kid back in a few minutes, hours. Compared to like you see the stats on on Amber Alerts, they're not good. Yeah, but I, what we're talking about is like, and and I'm not saying that I'm like anti McNutt at all. But what I'm saying is like, it's very easy to paint it as we're going to get bad guys, and I just don't think it's that simple. The McNutt and Co. They seem like decent people. They have set limitations for themselves. They have said they will not use photography that could get any closer. They've made a moral choice with that. How do we know other people will make the same moral choice? And He's saying that even though this thing might solve a ton of crimes, might save lives, it's still not worth the risk because it just asks a level of trust in government that we shouldn't we shouldn't give. Is that what you're saying? For now, yes. So uh, back to Dayton. What what happened in Dayton? Well, I was pretty impressed. <laughs> I was pretty impressed. After that five day demo, the police chief Richard Beale. I recommended that we um, enter into a contract with Persistence Valence Systems. And so they took it to the city commission. Hi, this is Carrie Gray. Oh, hey, Carrie. It's Manoush in New York. And according to Carrie Gray, director of the city commission office for the city of Dayton, Ohio, the committee saw the presentation and they liked it. The city commission was interested in the in the presentation, but they decided that before they go forward, they should have a public forum so they could just you know sort of hear from the people. There was about 75 or so people there. And he says that the people of Dayton, like much like the people of Radiolab and Note to Self, were very divided. A quarter of the people were supportive of this technology and they were frustrated with the amount of crime. Their belief was, I'm not doing anything wrong, so I don't care what people see me doing. We want this implemented and we want it implemented very broadly. So a quarter of them were like, you know, bring it on. They were basically in the Andy camp. Woohoo! But... Then there was another group, slightly smaller, but not by much. Maybe 15%. That was the Robert Manoush camp. Who believed that this was a grotesque invasion of privacy. And some of the people spoke in very impassioned terms. So Yay. I think Yay. calling it grotesque invasion of privacy would pretty much reflect the way, <laughs> the way this group was feeling. This group too. Um, and that there was no way that you could trust government with this volume of information and this breadth of information. So you had your pros and your cons. The rest of the people, like the majority, maybe had some feelings one way or another, but just didn't have enough information. And so they came and kind of um, asked questions. Like, how long will persistent surveillance systems keep the images? 90 days. How far can they zoom in? Can they see my face? No. So they had a lot of questions, which Carrie seems to think that they could have answered. They could have gotten everybody on board. But in the end, even though the room was basically divided into three parts, the naysayers were so loud and so impassioned that they sort of defined the conversation. As we do. So we took that lesson to understand that there was going to be some significant 
education that was going to be needed and some significant um, hurdles that were going to have to be crossed before that we were able to do a broad-based implementation. And based on the amount of time that was going to have to be spent, we decided there were other more immediate techniques that could be used, that could be invested in, and we took the money that could have been spent on this and spent it on some other activities. It seems like what you're saying is that, like, it was just going to be too hard to get people over the hurdle. So, like, eh, it's not worth it. Yeah. I think that's probably pro- probably accurate. Um, so the plane is off the table, so to speak. It's off the table for right now. But that doesn't mean that it's never coming back on the table. Which I think is fair to say is uh, frustrating to him. Right now, we've got about $150 million worth of proposals sitting out there for a large number of cities. Baltimore, Philadelphia. We've been to Moscow. We've been to London. That we're waiting for them to make decisions. On. We've done Compton. We've been to Rome. So Compton's like maybe. Juarez is like maybe. Dayton is like maybe. There's a whole lot of maybes out there. And what McNutt and his team are doing now, and this is actually what they were doing when we went to visit them, they're analyzing... What we're doing here in Dayton is we are looking at a... Turnpike or something? Yeah, traffic in New Jersey. They're studying traffic problems. We, we look at congested areas, which are typically, especially in that part of the country, exits uh, and on-ramps, uh, any kind of junction in a highway. No, sometimes you just want to scream. McNutt, McNutt, McNutt. Okay, it's McNoosh. Just kidding. It's Manoush. <laughs> I'm back in the studio with Radio Lab producer Andy Mills. And mm-hmm. Andy, that episode that we just heard first aired almost a year ago, hard mm-hmm. to believe. But actually, you talked to Ross McNutt, the man at the center of this technology, um, just yesterday. How's he doing? How's the McNutt? He seems to be good. He gave me what I've been calling the McNutt date. <laughs> I've got here my notes. Okay. From yeah, our conversation. what is going on? Is this technology? First off, he got a lot of responses from listeners. Huh. Uh, some of them reached out to him, you know, not exactly understanding what it was that he was doing. They kept saying, like, I can't believe you're running drones over cities. Well, and they equate, yeah. yeah, they equate drones with, like, you know, killing people. Uh, so obviously they were upset. But most people thought, like, some version of this is likely coming and they were pretty excited about it. And, one of the listeners who got a hold of him, he referred to them as a wealthy philanthropist who he could not name. But Like Bill Gates or something? I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> it's probably not Bill Gates. Okay. Uh, but somebody who, who likes what he's doing and reached out to him to be like, hey, can I help you try and find the right city? Huh. Yeah. And the big update that he had to say was that, like, they eventually did find a city and they have been – uh, running the test program. Uh, really? Yeah, in the city for like over a month. And so far, he thinks it's really promising. Now, okay, so like could it be over us in New York right I, now? I, I tried to poke at him like what is this mystery city? Uh, he, I don't think it's New York. He, The hints he gave me were that one, it's bigger than Dayton. And two, and maybe most importantly to him, yeah. it has a lot higher crime rate than Dayton does. Uh, He said that in this first month that he was doing it, and this isn't even like having it up every day all the time, that they saw over 1,800 crimes. And they saw, you know, in that was there were shootings and home invasions and stabbings. 
He said that they had been monitoring this drug operation. Whoa. But they can't actually do anything about what they had have seen. Right. Well, what they can do is they can, like, compile for each one, like, a strong evidence-based case in case they decide to ever go for them. I oh, mean, I see. Right. So if the city decides to use the technology, they could go back and use these exactly. the tapes. Exactly. And presumably they're using the information that they're compiling to go to the city council or whatever to say, see what we have, see the potential, sign exactly. us up. That's the stage that they're in right now. And it's just like in Dayton, how mm-hmm. eventually after the test and after the city liked it and the police force liked it, they eventually brought it to city council where it became a stalemate, essentially. They're right. just about to do that step in this city. Any indication that they might not get into a stalemate like they have been in Dayton? Like, is there anything different? Because if it's exactly the same, isn't it just going to be like the same thing that a quarter of the people think it's maybe a good idea and then the other parts don't? Yeah, I think that that's exactly what he's prepared for. I mean, he's the eternal optimist that he always was because he just really is convinced that the good outweighs the risk. Um, Are they doing anything differently this time? Because it's a bigger city, he said that they're flying slightly higher, which means that as much as we were all just dots on the screen to him before, we're like even more dots now, like a tiny, tiny bit smaller. We have to take his word for that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> We're just, I, I take this the McNutt's is a phone, word. This is a phone update. Uh, but he's excited. He actually said that, like, um, I wrote down one great quote from him. Oh, let's hear the it's McQuote. A, it's a yeah, McNutt quote, a quote. He said, whether it's here or in the next city, that he's just waiting for political leadership that is willing to take some heat in order to keep their city safe. He knows that there's going to be heat, but he thinks that it's just worth it in the end, to, you know, get the criminals off the street that are doing the crimes and provide, like, you know, these safe cities. And what about for you, Andy? Listening Oof. back to this episode, do you stay – are you still thinking that – I mean, when, when we left you, you were pro, pro McNutt. Yeah, I, look, I'm more pro than I am con, but I think with – I'm going to be totally honest – Uh, With certain people running to hold certain offices in our country, Mm. it does make me more nervous um, about what kind of power we hand over to the people who represent us. Now, with that being said, it is still technically legal for him to do this in certain capacities. And if we're not going to come up with a law that will make it illegal for him to do this privately – like, maybe it's better to have the government involved than not? <sighs> I know. Yeah. I know. Tricky, tricky, it's tricky. tricky. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm sticking with – Sticking to your guns? I'm sticking to my guns. Oh, all right. Okay. Um, but I did have another question. Yeah. Last question for you. To pay the bills, are McNutt & Co. Mm-hmm. still parking cars? They do still <laughs> have some uh, – it's not – it's not as much parking cars, but they do have some traffic studies uh, that are still paying the bills. I love the idea of being like, not only will we solve the 1,800 crimes that happened in the past month in your city, you will have a spot for every single car that attends the annual Holiday summer. on Ice. Holiday on Ice. <laughs> I just want to finish off by saying that I hope, Andy, someday that we get to go to fly planes in Ohio again together. I tell you, 
I think about it every day. I know. What an adventure. Thank you for doing this with me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on your show. Okay. Obviously, I don't think I'd ever say these words. If you don't listen to Radiolab, what? What are you doing? What are you doing? You should. (laughs) Um, At least try it. Just try it. Just try it. It's pretty awesome. Many, many thanks to the Radiolab team and to Jad Abumrad for letting us share this episode with you here Next week, next month, fresh new episodes for your listening pleasure. Can tech solve the kid care problem? What happens when you go spelunking in some of the weirdest parts of the web? That's what we're going to do. Wait, are you going to have robots be babysitters? Shh, this is my part, okay? You just listen. That and more coming in May. Please subscribe to the (laughs) podcast wherever you listen. Take a second to write us a comment on iTunes. Uh, the Note to Self team this week was Jen Poyant, Jenna Cagle, and Joe Plord, with special help from Seth Kelly and, of course, Andy Mills. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and I'll talk to you next week. The Summerfest. The Summerfest. Summerfest this summer, <laughs> brought to you by Ross McNabb. I want to go to that. Um, <laughs> 